Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. Turning to Judges chapter number 4, Judges chapter number 4, verses 1 through 10, and then Judges chapter 5, verses 15 and 18. Both of these chapters describe the same events in a different way, but I believe God is going to speak to us through these texts today. I want to give uh, honor to two men who have influenced my life in such a wonderful way, and that is Brother Stan Gleason, Brother Steve Williford. I love each and every one of you. I thank God for you and what you mean to my life. Would we give our Assistant General Superintendent, our District Elder, would you give them a hand clap of appreciation today? Amen. Praise God. And uh, give honor to my compadre in the kingdom, Brother Chuck Carr, my dear friend, our district secretary. Thank God for him. And uh, we're in this together. He's a blessing to my life. Amen. I'm just going to let you be seated, and I'm, I'm going to begin to read. Judges chapter 4, verses 1. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. When Ehud was dead, and the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned at Hazor, the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in Herosheth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron. Twenty years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, she judged Israel at that time, and she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. She sent and called Barak, the son of Abinoam, out of Kadesh Naphtali, and said unto him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali and of the captain and of the children of Zebulun, and I will draw unto thee to the river Kishon, Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into thine hand. And Barak said unto her, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine honor, for the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kedesh, and Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kedesh, and he went up with 10,000 men at his feet, and Deborah went up with him. Judges chapter 5, verses 15 through 18. And the princes of Issachar were with Deborah, even Issachar, and also Barak. He was sent on foot into the valley, for the divisions of Reuben there were great thoughts of heart. Why abodest thou among the sheepfolds to hear the bleedings of the flocks? For the divisions of Reuben there were great 
searchings of heart. Gilead abode beyond Jordan, and why did Dan remain in ships? Asher continued on the seashore and abode in his breaches. Zebulun and Naphtali were a people that departed their lives unto the death in the high places of the field. I want to preach for a few minutes this morning from this title, Breaking the Curse of Careful. Breaking the Curse of Careful. Would you lift your hands and voices to the Lord one more time? Let's let out a shout unto the Lord right now. We're leaving this place as a mighty army. We are leaving this place with a fresh word from God. We are leaving this place to go make a difference in our homes and in our churches and in our communities. Somebody clap your hands and somebody shout unto God with a voice of triumph. The book of Judges begins with the children of Israel asking the Lord this question. Who shall go up against the Canaanites first? The question regarding the kingdom of God is still this question. Who is willing to go up against the enemy? They ask who will go up first and the Lord gave them a response but it tells us there will always be another fight waiting. I thank God for everybody that's gone before us. I thank God for every fight that's been won before us. But there's another fight waiting, and God's asking you the question, who will go up for me? Who will go home and break the curse? Who will go home and dispossess Jezebel and Athali and allow victory to come into your life? Are there any takers? Is there anybody ready to volunteer for his army? Is there anybody ready to say, here I am, God, not by my might, not by my power, but by your spirit. I leave this place in faith. I kneel. Amen. You may just have an ox goad. Ehud, you may be a left-handed man with a dagger. Gideon, you may just have a sword and a trumpet. Samson, you may just have a jawbone. But is there somebody willing to stand up and say, I'm ready to fight? Poke your neighbor. Say, are you ready to fight? Judges chapter 2, verse 1. Angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you into the land, which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. He said, I didn't bring you out of Egypt for you to live in captivity and promised land. I mean, God didn't bring you out of the world to have you bound up in the church. 
Hallelujah. God didn't bring you out of the world to sit you on a pew and say, well, I'm just going to sit here until Jesus come, comes. No, He brought you out of the world because He's a covenant God and He's got a purpose for every one of you. Every one of you matter to what God's doing in this end time hour. You, know, you want to know how we're going to have a thriving apostolic work in every community when we have thriving apostolic men that are willing to find their place and say, God, I'm going to step into my place. I'm going to step into my anointing. I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm not going to, be, I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to operate in fear, but I'm going to operate in faith that, God, you call me, and if you call me, you will equip me to do what I need to do. There's been some equipping going on. There's been some revelation in this house as to who you are and what God's called you to do and the victory that's waiting on you when you get back to the house. Oh, I wish somebody would celebrate that right now. Hallelujah. I'm thankful I'm in covenant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Appleton, I'm glad I'm a one God, apostolic, tongue-talking, holy rolling, born-again, heaven-bound believer in the liberating power of Jesus' name. Is there anybody glad you're in covenant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Judges chapter 3, verse 1. Now these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel by them, even as many of Israel as had not known all the wars of Canaan. Only the generation of the children of Israel might know to teach them war. At the least, such as before knew nothing thereof. Sometimes God sends an enemy into your life to prove you and to teach you to teach your children how to fight. Hallelujah. They were born into blessing. They were born into Canaan. They were born not knowing the struggle that got them to where they are. Sometimes people, amen, have been too protected from the fight. They've been too protected from the blood, the sweat, and the tears that got us to where we are. And sometimes we have to go back and revisit the price that has been paid to Get us to where we are. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Your kids need to know he's a healer. Your kids need to know he's a prayer answering God. Your kids need to know what it sounds like to hear you pray. Your kids need to know, amen, what it feels like to give sacrificially and see God open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that you can't even receive. Hallelujah. Amen. We've spared our kids a lot of the intricate details sometimes of of struggle, but we've let them know their struggle. 
and especially when God answers our prayer and we were in times of need and God provides miraculously or God would do this, we would have a little family powwow and say, hey, we want to just tell you what the Lord just did. Hallelujah. I was going through a valley, but Jesus brought me out. I was dealing with this, but God touched me. We had a need, but here's what happened. We just got the check in the mail. We just got the phone call. Amen. God did what he said he was going to do. Hallelujah. There are some battles you are fighting, but God is just setting you up for victory. God is setting you up. Amen. So he can show himself strong on the behalf of your kids and your grandkids. Oh, somebody clap your hands and love him. Could it be that fight you're in right now? Is God just provoking you into your destiny? Provoking you into a miracle? Provoking you, amen, into an avenue of faith? Hallelujah. I want to stir somebody up today and get some fight in your spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. We live in a world that's just too careful. You need a helmet and elbow pads and a seat belt. And I mean, we used to ride our 10 speed and say, look, mom, no hands. Look, mom, no feet. Look, mom, no teeth. We used to hang out at the back of the pickup truck. Six of us traveled in a two-door car. I was the youngest. I got to sleep up in the window. They'd arrest you for that today. Hallelujah, because we live in a society that's trying to take out all risk. They want everybody to live careful and live safe. I'll tell you what, amen, the kingdom of God is not a place to live safe and to live careful. It's not a place to tiptoe through the tulips and stick your finger in the air and see which way the wind's blowing before you decide what you're going to do. No, honey, if you've got a word from God, you can go out in boldness and say, I don't know what's going to happen, but I've got a word from God. I'm going to break the curse of being careful. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to stand up and say, I'm going to quit trying to figure it all out. I'm going to do what God called me to do. I remember 22 years ago when we took our first child, Dylan, home from the hospital and I got to admit, I was scared to death. It's like God puts his heritage into your hand, and he says, here, you raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And I'm like, God, I didn't want to hold him when he's that little. It scares me to death. And I, I remember the, the weight of that responsibility in driving home from the hospital. He was born in St. Louis. We lived in Poplar Bluff, and I remember that two-and-a-half-hour trip just checking on him. Is he still breathing? What are we going to do with him when we get him home? Do, do you know what to do? Because I don't know what to do. And you get home and you freak out because you haven't child-proofed your home. 
Who cares? They can't even crawl. We've got to get those electrical outlets covered up and the hot water heater turned down and the pull cords shortened and the gate on the stairs and the latches on the cabinets and everything that will fit in their mouth on the floor and the list goes on. And we start worrying about whether they're eating right, sleeping the right way, progressing mentally, or developing normally. And if we're not careful, these necessary activities for the safety of our children can morph into a culture of fear that at any, any moment something bad's going to happen to them. And so, so we tell them, don't talk to strangers, they might kidnap you. Don't go near the street, you might, hit by, might be hit by a car. Don't play with matches, you might burn the house down. Don't run, you might fall. Don't answer the door, it might be a robber. Don't play too hard, you might get hurt. Don't go outside without a hat, you might catch cold. Don't stay up too late, you might get sick. Be careful for this, be careful for that. And we create a culture of carefulness. And then we wonder why they won't look anybody in the eye. Why they won't shake their hand. We wonder why they won't dream a big dream. Why they won't take a risk. And why they won't shoot for the star. Because you've taught them, be careful, be careful. There's something out there that's going to get you. It's going to hurt you. It's going to harm you. Don't take a risk. Don't step out. Hallelujah. And I just wonder, amen, as children of God, if we've been conditioned not by God, but by our culture to live careful lives, not lives characterized by sloth and indifference, but neither described as cutting edge or world changing. Could it be that sometimes because of the risk and the fear of failure that we settle for living carefully? neither negligent nor victorious, but just a dull, middle-of-the-road, status quo, boring life. Could there be a curse of being careful? Well, I'm not talking about taking chances with our walk with God and living on the edge, but I'm talking about a faith that can rise above the risk and an unfailing confidence in a God that can see us through every situation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother Williford, Brother Gleason, I pray that God would give us the pioneer spirit back. Amen. That was in our forefathers. It says, I got a word from God to go to Lebanon, Missouri. Amen. God's calling me to start a church in Lebanon, Missouri. I'm going to Lebanon, Missouri. Amen. With the blessing of my elders. And your dad went 50, 60 years ago. And today they're celebrating who he is. Hallelujah. Thank God for some pioneers that say, I know it's not going to be easy. I know I'm not guaranteed success but I got something burning in the inside of me that says I refuse to live careful I refuse to live status quo I refuse to live normal hallelujah hallelujah when the United States Air Force Academy was built in Colorado these words were inscribed on a granite wall. Bring me men to match my mountains. Bring me men to match my plains. Men with empires in their purpose. 
and new eras on their brains. Hallelujah. Sadly, that was removed in 2003 from the walls of the Air Force Academy because no longer, amen, do we want to live those words, but we want to live careful. Hallelujah. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, Paul said to Timothy, when I, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God that's in thee by the putting on of my hands. Timothy, I know there's something inside of you that you got from your grandmother and you got from your mother, but I gave you something. I gave you an apostolic impartation and because of fear, because of carefulness, you've allowed that to become dormant. But I've come to provoke you with the Word. I've come to provoke you with the Spirit to say it's time to stir up that gift that is within you. You've got it. You've got it. You just need to activate it. It's inside of you. It just needs to be acted upon. Hallelujah. You don't need to be careful. You don't need to be afraid. For we have not the spirit of fear, but of power. Somebody shout power. Hallelujah. Power and love and of a sound mind. I pray that God would deliver you from your fear. I pray that God would deliver you from what's tormenting you. And you can walk home with confidence and say, I am breaking the curse. Barak was afraid. He had the curse of being careful. 20 years of bondage. And you would think a word from God would be enough. That's why I'm preaching right now. Because some of you have received a direct word from God in this meeting. About deliverance. But it's going to take more than just a word from God. It's going to take you acting on a word from God. And I'm here to try to stop you from being from your miracle being short-circuited where you say, yeah, I got a word from God, but I don't know, I don't know if I can do it. I, yes, you can. Yes, you can. I can do all things through Christ. That's how you're going to do it. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. But you need to break the curse. Break the curse of careful. Deborah the prophet has called him to her. She was doing her job, but they were still in bondage because the men were afraid. God was letting her operate in her gifting, but they were still in bondage. Because the men were silent. Thank God for your praying wife and your anointed wife. But there's a dimension of deliverance that's only going to come when you get with the program. 
when you quit relying on her and what she's doing and her wisdom and her prayer and you say, hey, God's called me to be a deliverer. God's called me to be the priest of my home. God's called me to stand up and be counted and say, hey, we can do this. Are there any men in the house? Are there any men in the house that have a made-up mind? Sometimes we want to hide in the shadows, but the prophetic will put the searchlight on us. Saul had a word from God, but when it came time for him to accept his call, the Bible says he was hidden among the stuff. You have this encounter with God at men's conference, but then you go home and hide in your stuff. You go hide in your hobby. You go hide in your job. You go hide in your habits. You go hide in all the things you've been hiding in all your life. But the Holy Ghost has called you out in this meeting and said it's time to stop hiding and it's time to start warring. Hey, 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 Barack, didn't, didn't God say? Hasn't God already told you what to do? It's like Mary telling the servants, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. Take 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun. God said he would draw Sisera to the river. And God said that he would deliver Sisera into your hand. Barack, if you will take a step of faith, God will put your enemy in a place where he's going to wipe him out. But he's waiting on you to do something. He's waiting on you to make a move toward victory. Hallelujah. Thank God for the reminders of what God has already said to us. I've been preaching around the state. Caleb reminded Joshua. He said, man, we've been at this five years, but God said something concerning me, and God said something concerning thee. He said he was going to give me that mountain, and until God gives me that mountain, I'm not going to stop fighting. I'm not going to stop warring because I believe that God tells the truth. Hallelujah. Sometimes we need to shake our brother and say, Hey, God said you are free. God said you are anointed. God said you were going to plant a church. God said you were going to have revival. God said you were going to have harvest. Do I have anybody in the house that you've got a word from God that hasn't come to pass yet? But you still believe it. You still believe it. You can still shout over it. You can still claim it. I shall tell you, let there be a shout in the house. Let there be a shout.
feel victory in the house. I feel chains breaking. Hallelujah. Some of you just need to get out. Amen. While I'm preaching. Hallelujah. And do something that you haven't done in a long time. That's get in the aisle, lift your hands, dance, run. I don't care what it is. Hallelujah. Breakthrough. Breakthrough. Break. Quit waiting on the women. Quit waiting on the cheerleader. We're men. If you'll go, give me a break. That's pathetic. You go with me. You hold my hand. You tell me this is okay. You hear from God. What about you hearing from God? What about you taking the lead? What about you saying it's time to pray? What about you saying it's time to fast? What are you about you saying it's time to go to the house of God? What about you saying, hey, why don't we have a family prayer meeting? Quit waiting on your wife or your son or your daughter and be a man and say, I am going to live for God. My wife may not go, but I'm going. My dad and mom may not go, but I'm going. My kids may not go, but I'm going to do what God told me. Hallelujah. He said, I'm going to draw them to the river. I'm going to draw them to the river. Hallelujah. Judges 4.14. Deborah said in the barrack, up. It bothers me. It's time to go to church. Turn the TV off. Get off your game box. Whatever that thing's called. Hallelujah. Up. For this is the day. In which the Lord hath delivered Sisera into your hand. You've got him right where God wants him. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? Hallelujah. God has already paid a visit 
to cities we're not yet in. He's already been to LaBelle. He's already been to that neighboring city. He's already been to these target cities. God's already working on people's hearts. Hallelujah. Amen. He's already there. He was there in Brookfield. He was there in Carrollton. He was there. He was there ahead of us. He's just waiting for somebody to say, hey, he's already been there. I'm headed to where he's been. There's a victory waiting on Missouri. There's a victory waiting on you. But he's waiting for somebody to say, I'm going after it. I'm going after it. I'm tired of being careful. I'm tired of being risk averse. Hallelujah. Judges chapter 5 tells us that Ephraim was there. Benjamin was there. Iskar was there. Zebulun and Naphtali were there, but it has some interesting comments about the others. It talks about Reuben, that there were great thoughts of heart. One translation gives us Judges 5, 15, 18, this way, down into the valley went the princes of Issachar with Deborah and Barak at God's command. They rushed into the valley. But the tribe of Reuben didn't go. Why did you sit at home among the sheepfolds? playing your shepherd pipes. Yea, the tribe of Reuben has an uneasy conscience. Why did Gilead remain across the Jordan and why did Dan remain with his ships? And why did Asher sit unmoved upon the seashore at ease beside his harbors? But the tribe of Zebulun and Naphtali dared to die upon the fields of battle. Hallelujah. Reuben thought about it, talked about it, but didn't do it because he said, I'm not willing to buy into it. He had great musings of heart. He analyzed it from every direction. He could talk to you about it. He could tell you ten reasons why it wouldn't work. But he wasn't going to buy in and do what God had called them to do. They had the formation, but they did not have the faith. They worshiped like everybody else. They went to church like they didn't fuss, cuss, and date wild women. But they had no faith, and they had no victory because all they did was think about it. people can talk about it, analyze it, tell you what you should do about it, but aren't going to do anything themselves about it. I've got a piece of advice. Don't be that guy. Especially when God's stirring somebody up. When Caleb said, I'm going to take that mountain, the Bible says, and Joshua blessed him. It's one thing to have the blessings of God, but when you get the blessings of your brother, watch out. Because all of a sudden you feel like, I can do this. Hallelujah. There's a lot of things I wouldn't be doing if it wasn't for this guy right here. And these guys up here. Hallelujah. And our district board that's saying, hey, we can do this. We can do this. 
I don't know how it's going to happen, but I believe it's going to happen. Brother Breedlove, a thriving apostolic work in every community. We can break 200 by July. We can have 300 works by 2030. We can take the mountain, but we've got to bless one another. We've got to bless one another. You're anointed. You're appointed. God's hands on you. You can do this. Reach, bless somebody right now beside you. Look at them face to face and say, I believe in you. God's hand is upon you. Great things are fixing to happen in your home, your job, your marriage. Hallelujah. I feel a blessing in the house. I feel a blessing in the house. I feel a blessing in the house. It's the blessing of your brother. It's the blessing of your brother. Gilead stayed behind Jordan. I'm willing to participate as long as it doesn't inconvenience me. But if you inconvenience me, I'm going to fight you over it. This is not about my convenience. He said, if you're going to be my disciple, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. It's not about us making it easier on ourselves. It's about what does the mission require for us to reach the, the whole world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what's important. Dan remained in the ships. I'm making too much money. I'm too busy. I'm too important. I'll give you an offering, but I'm not getting involved. And I'll soothe my conscience because I gave you an offering, but I'm not going any further than that. Dan said, I'm staying with the ships. And Asher continued on the seashore. I'm having too much fun. Any bow hunters in the house? Raise your hand. Stand up. If you're a bow hunter in the house, stand up. I want you to give these men a hand. <laughs> bow season started two days ago, and they're at men's conference missing an opening season, a bow season, because this was Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.